Hi, this is Steph with the Arms and Influence team, and you're listening to Counter Programming with Shira and Ariel. Hi, and welcome to Counter Programming with Shira and Ariel. I'm Shira, and I'm Ariel, and we're coming. And we're coming at you. <laughs> we always mess this up, and we're coming at you with some more Counter Programming. Each week on this show, we bring you a story or some sweet, sweet knowledge on a topic with the word count or counter in the title. Last week, we talked about people counters, aka the census. (laughs) This week, we're continuing our politics-related counter programming programming in honor of the upcoming election. (sighs) Ariel, wasn't that debate just horrifying? Horrifying, and also, I wrote this script a few days ago, and it already feels like that's not the biggest thing in the news. So, yeah, everything is horrifying. The debate was horrifying. Everything that's happened with Trump having COVID and all of the White House basically having COVID, it's all horrifying. We just needed to stop and say that. Yeah, we're in a weird weird place. (sighs) Don't be rude. It's hard to sleep. (sighs) You are fake news. Well, even though things might feel really shitty, we're going to use the next 30 minutes or so for education and maybe to instill a little hope in our counties. Maybe. (laughs) We can't promise that one. (laughs) So, so Shira, who are our counties? What are our counties for the people that are new here? Counties, you are our listeners. If you're listening, then you are a county. Congratulations. (laughs) And uh, we've been doing this show since... April 1st of this Mm -hmm. past year, initially as a distraction to the COVID-19 madness, it has since morphed. Now we're a get tuned into politics sort of podcast, but in fun ways. And we bring you episodes ranging from anything with the word count or counter in the title. So that's why you're here with this episode, which is counting political money. Oh, I just gave it away. (laughs) Spoiler, we're about to talk about counting political money, a.k.a why we're getting hundreds of thousands of emails leading up to November 3rd. So many emails. Every day, I think I get seven from Joe Biden. I actually just got one. Like, just now? I bet I did, too. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's a lot from Biden, a lot from Kamala Harris, weirdly a lot from Carol King and other people who have decided that they want to use their star power. Have you gotten from Carol King? Okay, I'm upset that I haven't gotten from Carol King. I get from Obama, (laughs) though. But I'm a little offended. Does Carol not like me? No, it could be that you didn't donate to a certain threshold. Ha. <laughs> Damn it. I got Carol King threshold. So what's this going to look like in today's episode? We're going to explore where political contributions come from, what they're used for, and if they matter at all. And also everything else money-related leading up to November 3rd, a.k.a. Election Day, a.k.a. Battle Day, a.k.a. This whole thing is terrifying. Unfortunately, unlike our counterfeit money episode, we weren't fortunate enough to get an interview with a real live campaign donation. But if you're looking (laughs) to hear an interview with a counterfeit coin, you can go back in our archives and, uh, you know, we'll try to get you an interview with some real campaign dollars next time. So... Shira, as always, we like to check in. It's important to stop and breathe and ask your co-host and friend how they're doing. So, Shira, how are you doing? You know, I'm okay. I am a little stressed by the state of the world. I actually, I just went for a very long walk, and I was noticing that my jaw seems to be a little bit locked up, and my neck was kind of stiff. 
So I think I need to do some stretches um, and maybe like, I don't know, listen to some happy music <laughs> uh, to make myself feel better. But I, I don't remember if I said this on the last episode, but I was having trouble figuring out how to get my voter registration changed from my old apartment to my new apartment because I just moved. And I finally got the like notice of confirmation from the board of elections that like my registration has shifted over. So that made me feel better. And I'm getting settled into the apartment, which is good. It like I hung art up on the walls in my room. So that makes it, yeah, I'm a cultured lady. It makes me feel, makes it feel like home. And I've been watching, I've been binging. Watching is the wrong word. I've been binging New Girl. Mm, Me too. (laughs) And it is bringing me a tremendous amount of joy. It's some good counter programming. Makes me laugh out loud. Okay, that's what my roommate Jen and I always say. Like, there are very few shows where I cackle. But this show, like, I feel like I'm a combination of Jess Day and Schmidt. That is, like, if you want to describe me as a person, that's it right there. Yeah, so that, right. that's me. And you, Ariel? I'm with you. I just have a short piece of news to report on. Today I had three burritos for each each meal, one burrito. I feel like the... Last week, your update was you had eaten gnocchi for six days in a row. And so I feel I like get, you're I get a creature of habit. <laughs> yeah. I get obsessed with foods and then I stick to them. But this one was kind of by mistake. What happened was that I didn't have time to have breakfast at my house in the morning. So I stopped by my favorite bagel place, Mr. Bagel in downtown Portland, Maine. Go visit it when you have a chance. <sighs> have never tried one of their breakfast burritos, but got a breakfast burrito. Really enjoyed it. They have great potatoes. Mm. Then for lunch, I had to get something really fast. The closest thing to me was a place called Taco Escobar in downtown Portland, Maine. Go visit it when you have a chance. And great burrito, but I had to have it later in the day because I was running late for class. Then I was going to make my own dinner, promise. But then my roommate, who's upstairs, told me that she forgot her bike at Chipotle where she works. And could I give her a ride? And I said, sure. And while I'm there, I might as well get a burrito. (laughs) I do want to say that at all three of the places you went to, you could have gotten like tacos or a burrito bowl. You could have diversified a bit. It had to be the burrito. Anyway, thank you. The third one, obviously, you were going to do the burrito just for the like. Yeah, I had to. The sheer story. story. Yeah. But um, wow, you must be full. I feel good. I feel great. So counties, if you're like us, Democrat counties in particular, probably. You receive tons of different emails every single day asking you for money. Sometimes they're text messages. And that email, we're going to do a dramatic reading of one of those emails that you might receive. Shira, would you like to start us off? It would be an honor. I hate to ask. Hey, Shira. It's Joe. I know you've heard me Whoa, say this. Siri just heard me. <laughs> We're in the middle of a dramatic performance, Siri. <sighs> okay, start over from the you, from Siri. the subject title. I hate to ask. Hey, Shira. It's Joe. I know you've heard me say this, but one of the parts I enjoy least about this job is asking donors like you for your hard-earned dollars. Even with the stakes this high, it doesn't get easier to ask for your donation because the needs of you and your family have never been more important. 
But the truth of the matter is that it's going to take an incredible amount of money to power this campaign to an indisputable victory over Donald Trump on November 3rd. Don't be rude. Why? Because we have only 40 days to make sure voters hear our message of hope for a better future. And getting our message out is gonna take a ton of resources, especially in states where the race is so close. So even though I hate to ask, I mean it when I say that a donation of any amount from you today will put us closer to where we need to be for our biggest fundraising deadline of this entire race. Honestly, I think it's a very good email. It worked on me. I don't even read them. I just, uh, if I'm feeling good, I throw $5. I think I do a weekly recurring donation of $5. And I'm excited to find out where that goes. Well, we're gonna we're gonna look into that today. Let's do it. Our inboxes are flooded with emails like this every day, and we donate as often as we can, but still it's hard to tell where that money goes and what it's for. Of course, it's to help get the word out about a candidate, but what does that really mean, Joe? What do your donations really count for, counties? Well, we're here to tell you. Yeah, I just wanted to share that I got an email from Kamala Harris, like right now. Subject line, we need 300,000 donations by Wednesday. Can you be one of them? I can be one, but I can't be 300,000. But our 300,000 counties definitely can. Yeah, we have so <laughs> we many We have 300,000 counties. <laughs> what do campaigns spend your money on? Your hard-earned money, as Joe calls it. We'll find out after a message from our sponsors. Hey, counties. Chances are that you're here because you need to take your mind off the 2020 world we live in, at least for a brief moment, because then we have to get back to work. If that's the case, we have a game that you will absolutely love because it will not only distract you, but it will let you call the shots and build your own society. Arms and Influence is a four-player political strategy card game where you'll use technology, policy, military, and diplomacy to advance your society to victory. The game features beautiful art with diverse populations and leaders from all over the world. It's easy to pick up and play, but will require a strategic mind to master. And we know you're a strategic bunch, counties. While playing Arms and Influence, you'll get to create your own society and reimagine the world we live in. Okay, Ariel, what would your ideal society look like? Every authority figure is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. What about you? (laughs) I would create a society where scientists and healthcare professionals are listened to. Want to play with us, counties? Arms and Influence is now live on Kickstarter. Go to armsandinfluence.com slash count to reserve your copy. Again, counties, we really want you to check out that game because it'll really get your wheels turning and that's society a building. In order to get to that game, all you got to do is go to armsandinfluence.com slash count. Shira, what's the code again? Armsandinfluence.com slash count. Count. It's your turn to lead. Your turn to lead. Back at it, counties. Here we go. Where do your political dollars go? What are they being used for? Shira, start us off, please. According to an article from Metrocosm that broke down the spending of each political candidate leading up to the 2016 election, here are the main categories your funds go towards. Administrative. Equipment. Events. Media. Payroll. Strategy and research. Technology. (laughs) Technologia. Travel. (laughs) 
Other expenses. That's my favorite one. Other expenses. Metrocosm has a really cool interactive graphic that shows you how much each candidate spent in the primaries for 2016. We will link to that in the show notes so you can check it out. And just remember how many candidates there were in 2016. So there's going to be a lot for you to check out. The graphic is very cool. It was really interesting to see the ways each candidate allocated their money. Hillary Clinton, it it is very hard for me to talk about her, especially in October, because I, I keep know. thinking about how much hope I had I mean, that I she would win. That. Like October 2016, I was confident that there would be a woman in the White House. I know. Like filled with hope <sighs> and excitement. People wore white pantsuits in order to vote. <laughs> My friend David wore a shirt that said female POTUS on it. It's so embarrassing. I have a. He I like sh- cried with people online. I oh. have a a shirt that has the state of Mississippi outline with Hillary Clinton's face on it, and I wore it so proudly to the Young Democrats Party. Okay, sorry, we got off track. I'm just it's October and I'm sad. That's all. You and me both. That's the name of Hillary Clinton's new podcast. <sighs> Anyways, circling back, Hillary Clinton spent the largest percentage of her money on payroll. Yeah, that's good. Pay your people. Her staff had 344 people. And that was just, this was just leading up to the primaries. And for comparison counties, Jeb Bush had the next largest staff and he had 58 people, which is wild. Bernie, on the other hand, spent the bulk of his money on digital media. In the campaign's first three months, it spent $1.9 million on media. Of that, $1.2 million went to a third-party business called Revolution Messaging, a, quote, full-service digital agency fighting for progressive causes, end quote. Bernie, as we know, was fairly frugal, as you can tell by his haircuts, with travel expenses. <laughs> <laughs> he stayed at Motel 6 and he rode Amtrak, but he still had to use his campaign money to pay for these items. Essentially, our money is going to anything and everything a campaign needs to function, even things like Slack and food for the team. I like hadn't thought about the technologies that you would need. Like it's just running a normal office. Right. Like, and some people ran out of space on their Google Drive accounts and they need to get a little more space and our campaign dollars might pay for that. Truly. Yeah. Someone we were friends with in Mississippi and- off the record, someone we were friends with. I mean, someone I went on a date with from Hinge. Ooh, a date! We can't we keep that in. Come on. Yeah, I moved from Mississippi <laughs> to, uh, I think, like one of the bigger battleground states. And like, I'm sure the campaign has to pay to house someone in that other state. But, mm-hmm. you know, shout out to him for doing the good work, even though we didn't work out after two Hinge dates. Shout out to him for telling us when Bill Clinton was coming to town. Oh, my God. <laughs> Best day ever. Um, my favorite piece of the article was that they highlighted the weirdest expenses that they found for each candidate. And so Ted Cruz oh paid $1,233 for grilled cheese from the Golden Grill food truck. And then... Obviously, in like less funny expenses, he also only took Ubers. He was the only candidate no. who like didn't take Ted Cruz. Yeah, he didn't take like cabs and stuff. He took Ubers. Like all of those were expensed. But um, obviously, in other weird expenses, are are um, I don't even have a funny word for this because nothing is funny about him. But Donald Trump paid his own airline five hundred and six thousand dollars for his own travel. Cool, love that. Yeah. So fun. Honestly, yeah. it's like not even weird at this point. It's just. No, yeah. nothing is weird. 
Nothing weird. Nothing shocks <laughs> uh, me anymore. Yeah. The main question here is Shira, candidates, American people. Does more money equal more votes for your candidate? NPR has a money tracker to show how much money each of the presidential candidates have raised this year, which they update monthly. Uh, we don't have September's results just yet. The bad news is that Trump has raised $1.33 billion to Biden's $990 million. It's close. The good news is that Biden raised $291 million in August alone, and Trump raised $129 million. So Boom. <laughs> Boom. Gotcha. And that's because of... Uh, just uh, scroll back up and listen to us read that dramatic email. <laughs> yeah, whenever it's got great email writers. I know. Whenever you're not sure if you should donate and the emails aren't doing it, just re-listen to us dramatically reading it and you'll do it. You'll do it. his emails. <laughs> the other relevant piece to this story, though, is that campaign funds raised doesn't necessarily mean victory. And this is where the research, it gets very confusing because even political scientists, the correlation and causation aren't totally there. I'm not using those words correctly, but that's okay. That's okay. According to 538, political scientists say there's not a simple one-to-one causality between fundraising and electoral success. While more than 90% of candidates for the House of Representatives who spent the most have won their elections from 2000 to 2016, it's not that simple. Money is clearly associated with political success. But poli-sci professor Richard Lau says that we have to change our thinking that money causes wins and understand that rather wins attract money. Big donors like to go with candidates who they believe will win so that they can use that relationship to their advantage, which is nasty. Nasty. Plus, advertising, the main thing most campaigns spend their money on, doesn't necessarily work all that well. Ads yeah. probably matter least in the races where campaigns spend the most on them, oh, like our current presidential election, because we already know a lot about the people running and people tend to vote along party lines anyways. And let's pray that that's not going to be the case for this coming election and that people come on over and vote for Joe. I've been listening to a lot of uh, radio ads lately for it, the main Senate race against Sarah mm. Gideon and Susan Collins. It's very interesting. I heard a, an ad the other day that just said we need to vote Susan Collins out. And then it le- legitimately said at the end of it, this was not paid for by any political candidate. It's the committee to like it was just by a third party committee that wants to get Susan Collins out and vote in like a Democrat or anybody that's not Susan Collins. And I just thought that was super interesting. I will say oh, and I, I just uh, registered to vote in Maine today. So I'm very excited. Oh, congratulations. I mean, I do. I agree with this. Um, this that article that ads work. It is worth paying for them in like lesser known elections, because I feel like that's how I Obviously, like in 2016, when I voted in Mississippi, I knew I was voting for Hillary. Like that wasn't up for discussion. But the other, the local elections, I didn't know that much about. And like I watched cable when we were in Mississippi. I really don't watch cable now. And like I was impacted by some of the ads. I don't watch cable, but I can imagine that that's really where you'd want to be spending your money. And maybe, and maybe we'll get into this, but I think when you donate to big ticket big D Democrats, like right now, my weekly $5 donation, it's not the most in the world, but it is consistent. 
It's going to act blue, which is uh, associated with the Democrats. Basically, I would be okay if they said, we're going to give to what is needed right now. So if that Mm -hmm. needed to go to a local race in Arizona, like the Mark Kelly versus uh, Martha McSally, is that her name? Situation, like that'd be fine with me if that was what was relevant and that needed to be the ad spend right then. I I love that idea. I feel like someone has to be doing that. I think that is happening in some places. Yeah. So... Going off of what you just said, Ariel, though, about spreading out the money, what happens to the money when the election ends? Dun, dun, dun. I want it back. Well, that's definitely not an option. (laughs) (laughs) With all that money raised, there's bound to be some leftover. So let's talk about what happens. This is what we found on Investopedia. First and foremost, they can't use the money for personal use, which I honestly feel like Trump would do anyway. Personal uses are defined as, quote, a commitment, obligation, or expense of any person that would exist irrespective of the candidate's campaign or responsibilities as a federal office holder, end quote, aka any expense they would have whether or not they ran for office, like a mortgage or a household good. But how can they use the money? We got a little listicle we can go back and forth. Love. Here are the ways they can use the money. Number one, donations to charity. But the candidate can't receive any compensation from the organization, and the donation can't be used by the charity to benefit the candidate. Next, a donation of a maximum of $2,000 to another federal candidate and donations to state or local candidates, subject to state law. That's kind of what you were talking about. Yeah, um, 2000 seems so low. Like, say, for example, like Bernie, when he dropped out, you know, he's getting so much money. And just imagine only being able to give 2000 to each uh, race. But I guess that's a good thing. Uh, we talk all the time about campaign finance reform. And if taking money out of the election is good, I think I can be convinced of that. So that's fine. They can also use the money for unlimited transfers to a local, state, or national political party committee. That makes sense to me, too. Yeah. Like the DNC or something. They can transfer to a future election campaign committee of the same candidate. So, for example, Bernie transferred $12.7 million from previous campaigns to his 2020 campaign. Makes sense. Yeah. For him. So I guess that means you have to know in 2016 that you're going to run again in four years. Or even, it's kind of like two and a half years, so. Well, I wonder if you can, yeah, I guess you, you're decided it's really not as far off, but I feel like you could put it towards your future campaign, and then if you don't end up running, you could donate to, uh, you could do some of the other steps, because it's not like you would use the money anyways, but interesting. 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 So team, if you haven't noticed by now, campaigns are very expensive. Shira, did you ever run for class president or anything? So I think in eighth grade, I ran for secretary. No, no, it must have been like, no, it must have been sixth or seventh grade. But I lost to this girl who had older siblings in the school. And so she got like, I didn't, like my brother was younger. So I didn't have any supporters in other grades besides my grade. Yeah, you didn't have influence, unfortunately. And I'm honestly not sure if I won my grade. I just like to believe that. And to this day, that's how I I sleep at night. What about you? (laughs) I never ran for anything. I was a shy kid. But I wish that they had presidents now of just friend groups. I would do it. <laughs> is is there um, a class president for your new school? Definitely not. There's only 12 kids in the, in the class. <laughs> well, we can decide that you're president. Okay, fine. <laughs> so yeah, they're very expensive. Oh. And I bring this up because candidates spend a ton of time raising money and talking to big donors because they can't run without those funds. They can talk to us and that's great. 
you know, I'm going to give $5 every week. That's not going to change the world. But Pete Buttigieg can go to a wine cave and raise however many thousands of dollars in one pop, hundreds of thousands of dollars. This leads to public officials that are not reflective of the communities that they're supposed to represent, which can be kind of upsetting because if you're hearing from the big donors, you're not really hearing from the, the 99%. So what can we do to change this? Well, we found an organization called Common Cause that is working to address this exact issue. According to their website, one of the best ways to ensure candidates and elected officials are serving the public and not just the wealthy is by ensuring their campaign funds come from small dollar donors like us. Hello. (laughs) Citizen funded elections help break down barriers to participating in our democracy. They create a government that looks more like us and works better for us. And here's how. More ordinary people are able to run for public office. Candidates spend more time listening to and meeting with their constituents instead of consistently focusing on raising big money from just a handful of donors. Elected office holders are reflective of the communities at large and share similar values and experiences with voters. Elected officials are less indebted to a narrow set of big money funders and are more accountable to all voters. Policies and laws are more responsive to public needs and less skewed by wealthy special interests. I keep hearing an ad on the radio about Lindsey Graham's Senate race right now mm. um, against, what's uh, what's the guy's name? Jamie Harrison? Yes, I saw and, the Instagram um, ad for it. Yeah, and one of the constituents in South Carolina keeps saying, Lindsey Graham has not been back for a town hall in years, and yet he goes golfing with Trump like pretty often. Jamie Harrison is on the ground, and I think that's what one of those points that we just made reflects is that you want to spend time meeting with your constituents, knowing the issues that are important to them. Then you'll be able to be indebted to all of them rather than just a few people who are holding the big bucks. Yeah, that's definitely, I think that would be more reflective of the world we want to live in and make it less about, about all the big dollars. So Sherelle, any big takeaways after having studied and done some research on counting political money, a.k.a. political ads. So, I mean, a.k.a. political money. (laughs) (laughs) So my biggest takeaway is it may feel silly to be donating to all of these things that feel so non-political, like Slack or like a million dollars of grilled cheeses. (laughs) But... It's so important to help the campaign function and it allows, you know, the hundreds of people who basically like stop their careers and and put their lives on pause to go and work for this campaign full time. It allows them to be able to do that. And I don't think many of their salaries are super high. So, you know, it feels like trivial things. The money is so important. And, you know, hopefully some of Biden's ads will work. And will convince people to maybe make a decision that is not aligned with their party. Yeah, we can hope. This is really a a stressful time. And I know a lot of people are, uh, we're kind of numb to it. And the news is just moving so fast. A week ago, we found out that Trump's only paying $750 in income tax or whatever. And and that was only for two years. And it's just, it's all miserable, but that has been so many news cycles have been mulled over since then. And it's really just very depressing. So I, I do hope that 
we can all muster up the strength to vote for Biden and just like get back to a little bit of sense of normalcy. I think I think that would be just grand. As much as we we joke about these emails and it is hilarious to get so many emails that you know you don't even fully read, but hopefully they are encouraging you to make a donation and not just to Biden and Harris's campaign, but to all of the even more, con- well, no, no, there's no campaign that's more contentious, but to the other contentious campaigns across the country. We know that the news is hard to follow, and we know that our podcast is a brief respite from it all, but we also want to stress the importance of staying in the know. Have you solidified that voting plan? Let us know. Send us a DM on Instagram. We're at Counter Programming Pod. We would love to hear from you, and if you need help creating your voting plan, we're here to help too. Next episode, we've got a really special interview lined up. Shira, will you give us a sneak peek? Yeah. um, Someone I grew up with will be on the show to tell us all about what it is like to run in a local election and to teach us why local elections count. Get it? Get it, counties? They count. Counties, do you have questions about voting? Do you have questions about the things that we're talking about? Because we do, too. (laughs) You know, we... we (laughs) We do the research, but it's like sometimes we forget about it right after. So if you would like to have a conversation with us, tell us what you what you love. Tell us what you're confused about. We'll be confused with you. We'll learn with you. We're here for you. Please send us an email at counterprogrammingshiraariel at gmail.com. Shira, again. Counterprogrammingshiraariel at gmail.com. Now, Shira, our favorite time of the podcast. We need your voice clips. What should they sound like? Hi, I'm Arielle from Portland, Maine, and you're listening to Counterprogramming with Shira and Arielle. Ew. (laughs) Do I sound like that? Do I have a high voice? No, not at all. (laughs) No, not at all. Yeah, so we like those voice clips. At the beginning of this episode, you heard from one of our our counties. We love when you introduce us to the episode. We feel like it sets a really great precedent. It just shows the world how much we love our counties and how big of a part you play in our podcast. So again... Send us those voice clips to our email address, which is counterprogrammingshiraariel at gmail.com. If you have trouble remembering that, it is just the name of our podcast and then our first names and then at (laughs) gmail.com. I have confidence in you guys. Let's wrap it all up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Daniel Turek. He is our sound guy behind this production. You can find his work at robotslap.com. And Arielle and I were really a little bit out of it this week when we were recording. So Daniel really had his work cut out for him. And that's why he's the best. Yeah, pat him on the back when you see him next time, people. Thank you to Jason Shaw, who composes our music. The song is called Tennessee Hayride. Thank you to Shira, who did most of the research for this episode. She rocks. Thank you to you, counties, for listening and voting. We love you. Only if you we vote, though. Yeah, if you don't. Bleh. All right, that's it. Bye, this counties. This is a nutto episode. We'll see you next time. Bye, Ariel. Bye, counties. <laughs> Bye, Sherelle. Bye, counties. <laughs>